Good. How are we doing? Why don't you just nudge the person next to you and ask them how you're doing while I sort my iPad out. Look. All right, I think we're there. Good, good, good. Okay, so today is the second of our basic series, The Secret to Amazing Relationships. And we're all in a different space on this, aren't we? In our, where we're at in our love lives, whether we're single, whether we're on the lookout, whether we're dating, um, whether we're engaged, whether we're just married, whether we've been married for years and years and years. And loads of us are wondering, aren't we, how do we do this relationship stuff really well? Like some of us are just starting out. Some of us have been on this journey a while. But how do we do it well? And some of us are feeling good. Some of us are feeling hurt. Some of us are carrying relationship scars. Because the way we feel about our relationships defines a lot about how we feel in life generally, doesn't it? You know, whether we feel nervous or desperate or fulfilled or scared or lonely or isolated or content or anticipating or bored or trapped. And it's into this space that we're praying this series brings some of God's truth and his life and his encouragement wherever you are on this stuff because we really need it, don't we? Like in the space where our world and our culture sets a tone and a default way of doing relationships that messes us up. It's good to hear from the God who made us, who created us. He created us for a relationship with him and for with, with each other. He knows us. He knows how this relationship stuff works. So today there is something, a promise for everybody in the room here today. Wherever you're at on this stuff. Like God has good things for us. So come with me eh, as we go on this um, next little while. Is anyone dating at the moment? <laughs> or maybe it's been a while. It's been a while for me, right? <laughs> when was the last time you broke up with somebody? You know that moment where you, you realize that this person isn't the one and you think, oh, I, I'm going to, well, you know, breakup's coming and you, you know the big breakup speech is on its way and you, you pull yourself into it and you pull yourself together and you say... I'm really sorry, like, this just isn't working out, but it's, it's not you, it's me. And that's awkward, right? Because you've just dropped the biggest breakup cop-out line that there is, because you didn't know what to say, you didn't know how to do it, didn't want to hurt the other person. And so you gave it the, the old, it's not you, it's me routine. <laughs> But you said it's not you, it's me, but you were thinking, really, it is you. Like, you're the problem. We know, right? Everyone was thinking, you're, you're the problem. And so you say it's not you, but me, but you're thinking it's them the problem. But the real irony is that it was about you. Because you were thinking, like, this person doesn't match up to my expectations. Like, this, this person um, maybe doesn't excite me. This person doesn't um, fulfill me. This person doesn't look right for me. This person maybe doesn't get on with my friends or this person doesn't match up to my dream. And that's the, w the way 
Our culture tells us to think about relationships, doesn't it? That's the story that we're told in the movies and um, on TV, on social media, and our friends and our peers. Like, relationships are almost like consumer objects. And what we need to win in life is the perfect relationship because the perfect relationship is going to involve finding the perfect person to fulfill my needs. don't know if um, anyone saw recently the story of Akihiko Kondo. Here's Akihiko. Um, Akihiko Kondo, he, he actually married an anime character called Miku. That's right, like he gave up on actual human relationships and he's married an anime character. And this character um, sings for him, she dances for him, she calls his name. Like she can appear in many forms. She can be a hologram or she can be on screen, she can be a doll. And so she's perfect for Akihiko. And so he married her. Like last, last November, they had a ceremony and all the friends came and all that, and that's what they did. This is the ultimate con- consumer marriage, right? Akihiko has chosen his wife literally off the shelf. And our, our, our culture feeds this idea, doesn't it, as, of relationships as consumer objects. Like consciously or subconsciously, we start to understand relationships as vehicles for our own self-fulfillment. We're in it for what we can get, right? But what if God has another way? What if he wants to turn all that stuff upside down? What if it's not about us? What about the whole point of relationships isn't about us, but it's about the other person? And we end up in trouble in our relationships because we start out from the wrong starting point. And God wants us to think about this today and inspire us to change our thinking a little bit. He wants us to, um, to think about relationships that aren't self-centered, but that reflect the way that God loves us. He wants to turn our thinking around today from this is for me to this is for them. From what I get to what I give, from what I need to what they need, from they should to I will. From I will stop them doing this to I will give up this myself from my targets to their thriving. Moving our relationships from, it's not about you, it's about me. It's not me, it's you. Because this is the way God loves us, right? We know that, don't we? Like God's way of loving is sacrificial, giving up of self, laying down of life. Um, Who's God Bible? Why don't we turn to Romans chapter 12? Like Romans is at the end of the Bible, uh, it's, a, it's, um, it's a letter. It's written to the early church in Rome in about 56 AD. And Paul is the author of this book. And he, he's writing. By the time he gets to chapter 12, he writes this. He says, Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. So Paul is talking about a different kind of love here, isn't he? He's talking about the intentional preference of someone else's interests above our own. And this is hard. Like We, we find this so hard because in ourselves we, like we desperately need to be seen, to be loved, to be valued, to be significant. Our actual state is to look after ourselves. We're all kind of naturally selfish. But as Paul writes this, he's, at the point at which he writes this phrase, he's just spent like 10, 10 11 chapters explaining um, the amazing way that God loves us. 
Like Jesus is self-sacrificial, laying down life kind of love that he has, he has for us. He's told the whole, whole story of it by this point. He's shown like how Jesus has given up everything that he had, like the perfection, the ultimate, everything that he had in heaven, and he's laid it down. He laid down his comfort, his security, his wealth, his honor, his significance, his well-being. He laid down his life to show us love, to give us love, to reach out to us, to invest in us, to open up a way ahead for us, to embrace us, to love us, even though we would reject him and even though we would spit in his face. What an amazing kind of love that God has for us. Can we grab that this morning? Can we, can we take that this morning? What an amazing love God has for you. And so even above all the noise that goes around in the world and Facebook statuses about relationships and what people ask you about your relationships and what your peers and your friends are going on and all that stuff, like God has already defined a relationship status over you. He has rewritten your relationship status permanently. And he says that you are loved. This is what he writes about you. This is the box he ticks for you. It says you are loved, you're loved unconditionally, like wholeheartedly, deeply, securely. That you are sought out and you're never left out. That you're chosen and not rejected. That you're a child of God adopted into his family and loved by him. Loved as you are. You're cheered on, celebrated. You are secure. You're loved. This is how God loves you. And like nobody can change that. Nobody can take that away. This is the ultimate relationship win. It's already done. It's already won. It's already secure. And it's here to be enjoyed, like now, today, tomorrow, always, forever. You are loved. Think about that just for a minute. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? You are loved. That hole in our hearts that we try and fill with all sorts of other stuff, you are loved. And if we can only get that, it's so important because if we can get that first, then everything else starts to fall into place. Because we can only really love other people unconditionally and selflessly if we love knowing that we are loved ourselves. It frees us. It frees us from the need to, to, to grab at love from other places and that it allows us to give. And so we need to rest in God's love. We need to understand it. We need to, we need to accept it. Some of us. We need to, we need to know that our, our response to God's love is to, is, to, is to enjoy it, to live in it, to let it define us, to let it shape us, to let it change us, to let it uh, shape the way that we are. Let it run over us and through us and out of us. And so when Paul gets to this um, line that he writes in Romans 12, when he says love must be sincere, this is what he means. Like sincere love. From, um, the message translation says this, love from the center of who you are. You can love from the center of where you are if the center of where you are is full of God's love. If it's 
if it's overflowing from there. Sincere love is selfless love. It's genuine and free. It's not like half held back. It's not looking for something in return. It's freely given. It's like water flowing out of a, out of a spring. So let's have a look at how we can do this stuff. How do we become other-centered? Um, let me tell you about this time when Jen and I decided to have a clear-out in our flat. Does anyone ever do this? Do you enjoy doing this? Like when things start getting too much around the place, there's clutter building up, there's junk around, things get over, you know, you know how it, how it goes, right? So you have a big declutter session, and, um, and this is great. So there's Jen's clearing out her stuff, um, I'm clearing out my stuff, and, uh, and it's a bit chaotic and whatnot, and Jen's putting these bags out full of her um, old clothes and whatnot that she wants me to get rid of, and I take them out to the bin just in time um, to catch the bin collection, and brilliant. We get to the end of the day, we look round, and there's peace again, like everything's sorted out. This is fantastic. We've just had the best declutter session ever. Until a couple of weeks later, where Jenny says to me, you know those bags I left you of my special things that I wanted you to store? Right? You know where this is going, don't you? Because I've thrown her stuff away. I put it in the bin, I trashed it. What a hurtful, a horrible thing to do. And, and thankfully, because Jenny's the person she is, although it did hurt her, she's generous and loving and forgiving enough. Um, but it's a funny story for her now, rather than the beginning of the end of our marriage. <laughs> right? But I hadn't seen her. I hadn't... I, 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 in my stuff, like my world is a breathe and make space world, right? Jenny's world is a save, remember, celebrate world. And I tried to make my world, her world, fit into mine, hadn't I? I hadn't wanted to, I hadn't meant to, I hadn't thought about it, I hadn't heard her when she'd asked me what she wanted. I'd just gone ahead, sort it out, I had this idea in my head, this is how things are. This is how things should be. And so I'd made her world fit my world. In fact, I'd made her ideal... And I'd taken it and I'd put it in the bags along with her precious things and I'd thrown the whole lot in the trash. And this is how we can behave to, some, to other people sometimes, isn't it? We can do this because this is how the way we're wired sometimes. We just think we have our ways of doing things. We have our um, preferences. We have our leanings. We have our, what, we have our agendas. And sometimes we even have our rights. We're essentially selfish. And if we're going to love like God loves us, we need to flip that all around. Completely turn our thinking around to become other-centered. So we don't value relationships because of what we can give, get, but because of what we can give. We don't demand for ourselves. We help the other person achieve. We don't use the other person as a dumping ground, but we bear their burdens. We don't dominate. We submit. We don't judge them. We celebrate them. Our relationship goal is to love like God loves us. Who gives to us and doesn't take from us. So how do we do that? How do we say with our lives deeply and truly and authentically, this is not about me, it's about you? Well, firstly, we should own love as a feeling. Sorry, we should... <laughs> Own love not as a feeling, but as an action. All right? 
Only love not as a feeling, but as an action. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. This is just after the Roman stuff that we just looked, after, looked at. Um, it says this, follow God's example. This is chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. As dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. If you move on to chapter 21, this whole chapter is a good read. It's all about how to love each other. It says, submit to one one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Notice all these scriptures, they're, they're talking about love as an action. It's talking about love as a doing word, like a verb. And our culture says, um, that feelings of love are the basis for actions of love, doesn't it? And that can be true, can't it? If we feel love, we, then we act lovingly. Um, but it'd be truer to say like, that actions of love can consistently lead to feelings of love. You have these two things, don't you? You have emotions and feelings, and you have actions. And it's really important actually, that we let actions define our relationships because that's what we have control over. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it like this. If your definition of love stresses affectionate feelings more than unselfish actions, you will cripple your ability to maintain and grow strong love relationships. On the other hand, if you stress the action of love over the feeling, you enhance and establish the feeling. That is one of the secrets of living life as well as of marriage. So it works like that. If you look on it, again, another verse in Ephesians 5, verse 28. Paul says, husbands ought to love their wives. That's another command. It's like he's telling us, you should do this. Not you should feel this, you should do this. He's not, he's not saying to us, husbands, go put yourself in a room, listen to Whitney Houston tracks until you find that you love your wife. Get all emotional. It'll work. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, like, it don't really, don't really matter how you feel, like what you feel at in this moment or this day or whatever. Do something loving. And so if my wife is not being the kind of wife that I think that she should be, it doesn't let me off the hook from being the sort of husband that I should be. Because we can get into this even subconsciously, can't we? Like, oh, if they're not doing this, then I'm not going to either. And, and we don't want to get into that place of passive revenge or of getting our own back. Or We get into these di- downward spirals, don't we, where we think, if, if, um, if, if I don't feel love, then I'm not going to give love, and then I don't feel love. And, and the two of you just get dragged down and down. Tim Keller says this, self-centeredness by its very character, makes you blind to your own flaws while being hypersensitive, offended, and angered by that of others. The result is always a downward spiral into self-pity, anger, and despair as the relationship gets eaten away to nothing. But the gospel, brought home to your heart by the Spirit, can make you happy enough to be humble, giving you an internal fullness that frees you to be generous with the other even when you are not getting the satisfaction you want out of the relationship. So, let's make a decision. Let's decide to love. Let's decide to do 
loving things. Let's decide um, to ask with God's help. Let's be investors and builders of love by our actions rather than relying on our feelings. Let's own love as an action like God did for us and see what he will do when we do that. Secondly, let's look for opportunities to show kindness. Now, there's a psychologist called John Gottman, and he has, like, for the last four decades, decades, studied relationships and what makes some relationships thrive while other relationships fail. Like, what's the secret? What makes something succeed and something else fall apart? And he's been watching and running experiments and doing all kinds of stuff, and one of the things he's discovered is that it's the small, everyday moments that make all the difference, right? And so one of his experiments, he just got couples together and just watched them in their normal, everyday stuff. And imagine a scenario like you're, if you're a guy and you're into bird watching and you point out of the window and say, look at that beautiful bird over there. And actually what you're doing is you're pointing out the bird, but it's more than that. You're trying to make a connection. You're trying to share. You're trying to celebrate a moment with somebody. And so how the, how the partner responds in those kind of moments kind of defines the whole tone of the relationship and can define even where it ends up. Because there are those that turn towards and there are those that turn away. There are those that stop and listen and respond and um, participate in the moment. And so are building up and are showing appreciation by doing that. And there are those that are kind of passively just carry on what they're doing and sort of nod along without really responding properly. And those who are even on the other side, just hostile, like, that bothers me. What are you wasting my time on that for? And what he discovered was that you could tell so much about where a relationship was going to end up. In fact, he said he could predict with up to 94% certainty whether couples straight or gay, rich or poor, childless or not, will be broken up, together and unhappy, or together and happy, several years later. Much of it comes down to the spirit couples bring to the relationship. Do they bring kindness and generosity or contempt, criticism, and hostility? This feels right to us instinctively, doesn't it? Because that's how God behaves. Like God's always looking for connection. God is always being kind. The Bible teaches us, Colossians 3, 12, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you're one of those people who looks for beautiful messages in the Bible, have a look at this. Isn't it stunning? Like so beautifully phrased, so captures what God is all about. It says again, doesn't it? Like remember how loved. You are. Like, live from that place. Clothe yourself. Like, take this love, put it on you. Live in it. Like, breathe in it. Be in it. Let it change the way you appear to other people. Let it change the way that you react and respond to people. Let it change your interactions. Let it soften you. Let it enable you to love better. And so we can do this. We can be looking for things in our partners and our friends to appreciate and say thank you for. We can be actively building a culture of respect and appreciation. We 
We need to stop looking for our partner's mistakes and start looking for their qualities. We need to stop criticizing and start expressing appreciation. Being kind, that means serving, doesn't it? If we look again at Romans 12.10, this verse we looked at before, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. And serving each other just means normal everyday stuff. Little tasks, little menial things around the house or whatever. Serving each other. Remember, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And what that does to somebody, what it invests in them, what it shows them, how you respect them, how you love them, how you're interested in their fulfillment and, and their thriving. Serving one another. Like one of the most amazing things you can do in serving somebody is to recognize the way that, that, that you touch them and be, able, be willing to change yourself. If you can think about the ways that you trouble somebody or that you upset them and you're able to change that, what an amazing way to serve them. If we're, in like a, if we're in a Christian relationship, if we're in a Christian marriage, we can serve each other by building each other up in faith, can't we? We can pray together, we can support each other, we can um, study together, we can come to church together and engage in all this stuff together. Being kind means listening. Really listening, hearing and understanding. Like so, so many of our relationships need this one, don't they? When was the last time you yourself felt really listened to? Being kind means bearing each other's burdens. It means holding each other's stuff. It means being there to support. Let's be kind with each other. Let's grow in kindness. So here's a simple question on this one to ask yourself. What do you do simply because the other person wants to do it? Think about that. So let me sum up. This other-centered way of living, like it's relevant to all our relationships, isn't it? It's relevant in our friendships. It's relevant... Um, in, in our marriages, it's relevant at work, it's relevant at school, it's relevant everywhere. And it's especially going to make a massive difference in our partnerships, isn't it? Those relationships that are closest to us and that we so easily take for granted. But what a difference it could make if we could start in that place of like really allowing ourselves to come alive to the huge reality of God's love for us. How that change us right deeply. Deep change right inside, right at the heart, right at the source of the person that we are. And changing the way that we behave and enabling us and freeing us to look outward and to make relationships about investing and building love in others. So let's do that. Let's move our relationships into the God space of giving, not getting. Because that's the way to build healthy, strong, dependable, um, formidable, mutually beneficial relationships. Let's commit to love as an action before a feeling. And let's commit to grow in kindness, serving, listening, bearing, investing in that other person.
And maybe some of us are doing this already, right? Maybe we've doing it, been doing it for a while. And maybe it's all like one-way traffic. Like you're, you're giving out and you're giving out and you're giving out and it's not coming back. What do you do then? Well, we've got to believe, haven't we, that love ultimately changes things. So keep on, keep doing, keep praying, keep investing, keep doing. Remember, that's what Jesus did for us. Even before we knew him, even before we had any relationship. And we've got to believe as we do that, we take Jesus to people, don't we? As we invest in them, we're showing his love. And we've got to believe that that changes things. So keep on keeping on. And remember, like, a a loving response is not a submission to being hurt. It's not permissioning somebody else to trample on us. But a loving response to being hurt is to invest in the other person. Remember, we have their ultimate future, like the the best that they can be in in mind. And so if if you're in that sort of relationship, then we're looking to invest in the person to the point where that they can become out of this. And so being trampled on them, being trampled on in those scenarios doesn't help that, does it? We've got to love out of a place of strength. And so if you need help with that this morning, then we'd love to talk, love to pray, um, if, if that's you this morning. But why don't we, as we finish, why don't we stand? We're going to pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Like, as we pray, why don't we just close our eyes? Let's be, become aware of God's presence. Like he's here right now. And I'm aware, like, loads of us carrying different stuff. Wherever we are in our relationship and stuff today, God has good things for us, even in this moment right now as we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, thank you, God. Lord, I want to pray again, God, release your love over us right now again. Let us come to a deeper understanding, a deeper knowing in our knowing, a deeper feeling in our feeling, a deeper experience of I am a child of God, loved by the King, welcomed into his family. Lord, let the security and the power of that just wash over us right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let your love fall over us. Thank you, God. Lord, we're sorry where our selfishness is breaking stuff from the people around us, is hurting people, is is causing stuff that, God, you want to heal right in this moment. And even if today, for the first time, you want to say to God, I'm sorry for trying to do this stuff all on my own. I need you in my life. 
then now's a good time to reach out. Now's a good time to decide, today's the day, I'm gonna, Lord, I'm going to follow you. So if you want to do that this morning, you can just raise your hand so I can see you and we can pray. If that's you today, you can just do that. Thank you. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. So anybody else? Let's all pray together in this moment. Father God, we're sorry when we mess up this stuff. Thank you. Like the love you have given us, the love you've shown us, the love you pour over us. It's incredible. Help us receive it. Help us give it. Help us live it. Help it, help it shape us. God, we pray for our relationships. We pray for our friendships. We pray for our um, romantic relationships. We pray for our marriages. Pour your life over us, God, we pray right now. Like change our ways of thinking. Help us be more like you. Help us be builders of love. And God, we believe as we do that, like things can change. Like hope can come where there was no hope. Life can come where things look dead. Strength and strength and strength can be built upon strength. Help us, God. We pray. God, we as a church family, we, look, we, we recognize that we hold each other up. We, hold, we lift each other up. And so together we pray this morning where marriages are struggling, where people are hurting, where people think their chance is gone, where people think they've had their go at it and it's over. We pray new life come. New life come in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Right, let's, ca let's continue. We're going to worship. We're